Good morning. So one of my new favorite people is here today, uh, Bill Eddy. Bill, come up here. Uh, Bill's a missionary in Spain, been there for a long time. Uh, he'll tell you exactly how long. Uh, has an incredible ministry there and, and a very unique, come on up here. Oh, yeah, I hear you, bro. I understand. I understand. Good morning. Awesome. Y'all welcome, Bill. Yeah. We, we had a chance this summer, my wife and I, to go with a team uh, and see what Bill and his uh, family and ministry is doing in Spain. And, and in particular, there's a camp that we've been a part of, Riverstone has been a part of for a number of years, that has a somewhat of a unique uh, edge to it and purpose. And uh, it's just an incredible thing, one of the most kingdom things I've ever seen. So tell them a little bit about what you are doing. Well, when I went to Spain 38 years ago, I went as a church planter, but there was a vision in my heart to reach the nations and to bless the nations. 13 years ago, 2005, that vision began to coalesce, and it coalesced around Riverstone, uh, one of your cell groups, and then the vision that God had given us to create a camp for Latin American missionary kids, Latin American immigrant and refugee kids. And so Riverstone partnered both people, finances, and prayer, and we began that camp. Today, we have had over 750 Latin American kids. Now, what a, what a TCK is, a third culture kid, is they have to deal with the different cultures that characterize their person. So they're in Spain, but they're in the house that may be uh, Brazilian. So what we key on at the camp is their identity, who they are. And we also share with them who Christ is because he's the only one who can give us TCKs rootedness. We've been uprooted from every country that we've lived in and every relationship that we've had. But he will never leave us. And then the third thing is we suffer a lot of injustices as Latin American TCKs, refugees, immigrants. So we have to learn how to use forgiveness as a tool. And we teach that. And we teach that with people who come. And we teach that with people who are there. And let me just give you or end with um, something that happened at this camp. Uh, I'll call him David. David is a 16-year-old whose family have given their lives to the gospel. They're missionaries. David's older sister, three years ago, 24 years old, she died from a very violent stomach cancer. She was his hero. So a raft was created of questions. Why us? Why don't you heal? We've given our lives for you. Why can't you do this one thing that we're asking for my sister? And that raft of questions began to take him away and created a bitterness. So I invited him to camp, and I get an email from him saying, who are you and what is this? So it's very obvious that his mother had been the one to fill out the form. I said, talk to your mom. Moms. I'm not going to get into that one. No, 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 no. I have a picture in my mind, the night, second night, 
that Tom preached. My eyes will sweat, but that's okay. I have a picture in my mind. There's a 40-year-old counselor. He's bald, he's burly, he's got these huge chests, <clears throat> Carlos, and he's sitting in the moonlight with David resting <clears throat> upon his chest, weeping. Weeping tears of joy because he's come back to the Lord. And the vision was that there's a great crowd of witness mm. around him. And that was you. Because mm. you've given and you've prayed. And there's those of you who have dibujar that you've, I don't know how to say that in English right now, but you've painted little cards and you gave that. And that was one of the things that impressed David. That card spoke to him. Mm. And you're that great crowd of witness. You will never know that you're touching the nations until mm. you get up there. Mm. And so now we have TCKs who know who they are, who know who Christ is, and who know how to use forgiveness. Mm. That are from Sweden to South Africa, from India to Jordan to Egypt to Senegal, from Canada to Argentina. And there we're blessing the nations. Mm. So I just come with a very grateful heart to thank you for your prayers, for your people, for your finances. Because whatever is said out there, the truth of the matter is that we are reaching the nations. Yes. And that Christ is gaining the victory. Yeah. So I'm here to oh. thank you. Bless you, brother. Stand right here for a second. I'm going to get Mason... I'm going to let Mason come and, and, and pray for Bill. And uh, if, the, if you would just extend your hands this way. And, and you got Mason. your shoes on, bud. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Am I going to get a blessing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's awesome. Jesus, we just thank you so much for Bill and his family. God, we just ask right now, Lord, that you would just pour out your blessing and your favor on this camp, on their ministry as a family. God, we ask, Lord, that you would protect them, that you would gird them in, and, Lord, that you would give them favor past their understanding. Lord, that it would be strange favor. Lord, we thank you so much for the blessing that they've been to us, and, Lord, in return, that you've allowed us to be a blessing to them. God, we ask, Lord, that you would increase in this relationship and you would increase in this kingdom impact. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you are getting glory from this ministry. Lord, we ask that it would increase. Yes. In your precious yeah. name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you, bro. Thank you. They're doing a, an amazing thing there. They really are. Um, if you get a chance to go, I would say that you should, should say yes. Uh, amazing trip. I, I've been on a, uh, some kind of short-term mission trip. I think almost every year since 1988, uh, and sometimes more than one, and uh, this trip this past summer to Spain uh, was at least tied for first uh, of all the trips I've ever been on. So um, there's that. Uh, so last Sunday, um, I want to say to you uh, 
that as, as your pastor that I, I've never been more honored than to pray for you. It's, it's one of the highlights of my life, uh, just having a chance to pray for so many of you last week. And, and uh, I would do that every Sunday. Uh, church would start lasting a really long time. Um, <laughs> but it, it was an honor. And I, I just appreciate um, who you are and, and, and just your willingness uh, to respond last week and, and to open yourselves to, to what God has for you. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, you're, you're awesome people. You're welcome. So we've been uh, jogging through this series on the kingdom of God. And we started off talking about the king, which is a really good place to start. Uh, the, this kingdom that we're a part of has a king. And uh, it's not a democracy. It is a kingdom. And so we talked about the, that king uh, during the first week of the series. And then we talked about uh, the, the people of the kingdom. Uh, it, that's us. You know, we're called to be in this kingdom, to live under this kingdom's rule and, and to operate uh, according to the principles of the kingdom. And that as children of the king, we should have characteristics in our life that look like him. Yeah, it is true. Isn't it true? Yes. And then the third, the third week, uh, we talked about life in the kingdom and just, you know, what the life of the kingdom looks like. And we talked about that last week a little bit. And today, what we want to push into a little bit is the mission of the kingdom. The mission of the kingdom. So you can turn to Romans 8, and I'll get there uh, in a little bit. So you just go ahead and turn there and, and stick your finger in Romans 8, and we'll, we'll jump in there in a minute. But a couple of things to start. Uh, you'll remember several months ago, we, we talked about one Sunday, what is missional? Do you, you all remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that. What does it mean to be missional? Uh, we talked about that a little bit, and, and uh, we gave some quotes that day from a book called Planting Missional Churches, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Eim. Uh, I'll just throw this out. Ed Stetzer, who's kind of famous, and he started following me on Twitter last week, and it made me really nervous. And uh, so I haven't posted anything on Twitter since he started following me, so y'all can pray for me. Uh, so mission, according to Daniel Stetzer and Daniel, or Ed Stetzer and Daniel, I mission refers to all that God is doing to bring the nations to himself. And then missions, with an S, relates to how God is carrying out his mission around the world. And then they, they say that missional means adopting the posture of a missionary in your present context. And so if, if we say that Riverstone wants to be a missional church, or if the people of Riverstone want to be missional people, what we're saying is that you take on this, this air of intentionality. You know how it is when you go on a, on a mission trip? How many of you have been on a short-term mission trip? Were you more focused on the kingdom during that week or that 10 days or those two weeks than you normally are at home, that, that's pretty 
pretty standard that you go on this trip and, and for two weeks you're focused on the kingdom. And what we're saying is that to be truly missional is to carry that kind of intentionality all the time. Not just to reserve it for a two-week trip once a year, but to recognize that the real mission that God has placed you in is right here where you are, right here where you live, where you work, where you live, where you go to school. And so we want to be missional, and it means being intentional. So having a missional posture is simply understanding that Jesus has a mission, and he's invited us to join it. Understand this, that the mission of the kingdom is his mission. Y'all remember, this, y'all don't remember this. I'm sorry that you don't. But like this middle section, y'all remember that movie, The Blues Brothers? <laughs> remember what they said in that movie? We're on a mission from God. <laughs> y'all need to go back. Y'all need to look it up. It's probably on Netflix. Just look it up and watch it. We're on a mission from God. Now, here's the, here's the thing we need to understand about that, is that we're not on a mission from God. We're on a mission with God. We're on a mission with God. Uh, it's not us with a mission asking God to join our mission. And it's not God sending us on a mission. It's God is on a mission and he asks us to join him. So we get to partner with God in his mission. Now, uh, one of the things that we recognize about God is that he is a sender. He's a sender. And sometimes he will send you to faraway places like Hawaii. Now, let me just say this. I, I bring that up on purpose because when, when our brother says, I'm going to Hawaii, y'all are like, oh, yeah, I wish God had called me to Hawaii. Let me just say that Hawaii is one of the poorest states in our nation. And it is a place that desperately needs the gospel. It is a, it is a state in our country that probably has the most witchcraft of any, any state in our nation. So it is a place where Jesus is calling people to come. That's good news. <laughs> it could be that God calls you to a faraway place. It could be that God sends you to a place right here in your neighborhood. It could be that God has already sent you and you just haven't realized it. Let me just say if you are his, he has sent you because he is a sender. That is what he does. The father sent the son. The father and the son sent the spirit. And the spirit is sending you. And going with you as you're sent. So understand, this is about uh, sending, but sending doesn't necessarily mean leaving where you are. It may just mean being intentional where you are. So the church is not sent on a mission by God, but God is on a mission and has invited the church to join his mission. Now, the mission of God 
believe it or not, is not to get more people in church. That's not his mission. His mission is not to get more people to come to church. His mission is to get more people to come to Jesus. Okay? So the mission of God is to get more people into Jesus. Being missional doesn't just mean being evangelistic. Being missional doesn't just mean fighting for social justice. It can mean both of those things. It's not just a reason to plant churches. It's not just a strategy for church growth. But joining his mission is recognizing why Jesus came and joining him in what he's doing. All right, y'all, have you got Romans? Did you find Romans yet? If you haven't, it's on the screen. Going to be. Romans 8, beginning at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now let's pray. God, I pray uh, that you would speak to us this morning. We, we need to know uh, your purpose. We, we need to know what your mission is. We may think we know it, and maybe we just know a part of it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give us greater revelation today to understand more fully what it is that you're asking us to join. In Jesus' name, amen. So we know that it all starts with Jesus. We, we know because he's the king of this kingdom, that this kingdom has a mission, that it has to start with him. It all starts with him. And we know that. Uh, but we, do we really know why he came and what he did? And, and sometimes we may think we know, and we only know part of it, or, or we just, you know, we really, we kind of know it, but we forget it. Or we know it, or, you know, it kind of blows past our brain. Uh, the bottom line is he came to seek and to save what had been lost. He came to seek and to save 
what had been lost. But to understand what that means, we have to understand the story of God. We have to understand the story of God. And the story of God, believe it or not, doesn't begin in Genesis 3. It begins in Genesis 1. Creation. So creation is a key part of the story of God. And creation is a key part of the mission of God. Because creation also, as we just read in Romans, is longing to be redeemed. Creation. And when I'm talking about creation, I'm not just talking about people. I'm not just talking about the creation of of you and me and the people who are created in the image of God. I'm talking about creation. I'm talking about animals. I'm talking about plants. I'm talking about rocks. Do you know that rocks are longing to be redeemed? Anybody ever had a pet rock? (laughs) You should pray for your pet rock. It's longing. It's longing to be redeemed. Creation asks the question, where are we and who are we? Everyone in every religion wants to know the answers to those questions. Everyone in every religion, no matter what you're pursuing, no matter what you are trying to believe, no matter what you're trying to figure out, everybody wants to know the answer to who am I and why am I here? Creation is the story of God. He he created everything for himself. And then the second part of his story is the fall. And, And what we need to understand about the fall in Genesis 3 is that the fall doesn't just touch you and me. It touches everything. If you read through the story, you'll see it. The fall touches everything. The fall places a curse on all of creation. And that's why in Romans it says that all of creation is longing for redemption. And then the third part of God's story is redemption. Well, guess what? The fall touches everything. Redemption touches everything. Redemption touches every part of the fall. Redemption begins with the Old Testament covenant. It continues with the New Testament incarnation. And it culminates, listen to me, it culminates not with the resurrection. It culminates with the return. Now, redemption obviously is sealed with the resurrection. It is assured at the resurrection. But the fullness of redemption will not be realized until Jesus returns. And so that's why we say that the kingdom of God is now and not yet. We have a taste of it. We have a foretaste. We get to see glimpses. We get to live in pockets of the kingdom. But the fullness of the kingdom spread across all of creation without end will not be realized until the return of Christ. So if we understand that, that God's mission is the redemption of creation, what does that mean to us? How do we respond to that? So the second thing we need to understand, so number one is understand God's mission according to God's story. And then the second thing is to understand your context. Understand your context and be willing 
to identify with it. Understand your context. Jesus came to earth. He entered our context, and he became a human. We call that being incarnational. This fancy word that means he became like us. He entered into life as we know it. Uh, he didn't just send a flyer or an email that said, heaven is great, you should sign up. <laughs> he actually came here. And, and we laugh about that, but sometimes it seems like the, what the church wants to do is just yell at the world, church is great, you should be here. And the truth is, when we say that, some people will. Some people will come. Some people, if you just say, church is great, you should come. Some people will come, but most won't. Most will only come if you go to them. Not if you ask them to come to you, but if you go to them. That's one of the things I love about Alpha. We had our second night of Alpha last night, and I came up here and got to observe a little bit and watch and see what. We have, we have an incredible leadership team. They're doing a fantastic job. But, you know, what they're, one of the things that they're doing is they're making church seem like it's not church. And so people are willing to come. They're willing really more than to come. They're willing to be brought to a place where they can enjoy a meal, watch a movie, and have a conversation. That is the means, but that is not the end. The end, our, our end hope is that uh, through this conversation, they'll come to a place of faith and they will give themselves to Jesus. And then they will understand by the Holy Spirit why we do what we do. Because honestly, let me just say to you that without the Holy Spirit, what you just did this morning is kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not the only way to have church, but it is the way we have church. Okay? And, and if, you, you know, if you're just an outstand, outsider, if you walked in this morning, you'd never, never seen church before. You might think, what? But let me say this about that. Most people who've never been in church who see what we did this morning would be, be curious about it. Because there was so much life here, they would, they would think, I want to know more about that. So it's not about hiding who we are. It's about introducing people to who he is and who we are in a way that gives them a chance to think through their issues and, and make some choices rather than just yelling at them and saying, you should be over here with us. So Paul understood his context. Paul's one of the best examples of, of context. He understood his context, and, and you'll see in the in the preaching of Paul and in the, in the writings of Paul that he had the same message whether it was Jew or Gentile but his approach was different because he understood who he was talking to. Now when it comes to context you can try to understand it or you can just complain about it. Sometimes I just complain about our context. I hate the traffic. I hate the traffic. You know why we have so much traffic? Because there's so many people. 
Well, if I'm on a mission with God, and that mission is redemption, and, and a part of that redemption is winning the lost human beings on this planet to Christ, wouldn't I want to be where there are people? It'd be kind of hard to accomplish that mission out in a desert somewhere by myself, right? And so should I complain about the traffic? If that means that there are people that God has put in my context, should I complain because 10 years ago there weren't this many people? <laughs> 20 years ago, you could drive down Burnt Hickory and not see a soul. Is that what we want? <laughs> Somebody said yes, and it might have been my wife. Okay. <laughs> I understand. I understand the frustration of being in a place where there are so many people. But I also understand that it's an incredible opportunity. It's an incredible opportunity. Some of us wish that we lived in a small town of 700 people where 698 of them were believers and we all went to the same church, right? What's the point of that? For now, that is not our, our point. There is a day coming when Jesus returns. You'll get to live in a world like that but it's not now. The best place that we can be now is living life in and among people that don't know him. That's why he's invited us into his mission. We can complain about our context or we can understand it. Here are some things that, that are true of our context. People are busy. Busy, busy, busy. I, I complain about that. I'll be honest with you. I complain about how busy people are. I complain about how crowded it is. I complain about how worldly our, our view of life is. I complain about the fact that we are obsessed with entertainment. But then I stop and I ask myself, why? Why are we busy? Why are we obsessed with entertainment? Why are we worldly? Why is it so crowded? Why are all these things true of our context? And the reason those things are true of our context is because people all over the planet are searching for a life that is more meaningful. They're looking for a life that's worthwhile. And if you don't know where to find it, it seems like entertainment and busyness and chasing after the American dream and all of those things might be the answer. And so we live in a culture and we actually live in a community where people are chasing after life. They don't even know that's what they're chasing after. But they're chasing after life and they're chasing after meaning and they're looking for purpose. They want a life that's worthwhile and they're looking in a lot of the wrong places. And we can complain about it or we can understand it and look for opportunities to speak the truth into it. So the third part of this mission with God is equipping and sending. 
So we understand God's mission, we understand our context, and then the third part is to equip and send our people. Equipping is not just knowing what to do. Equipping is also knowing who you are. I don't have this on the PowerPoint, but you might want to write this down. Only when you know who you are can you be who you are called to be and do what you are destined to do. Only when you know who you are can you be who you are called to be and do what you are destined to do. You are called to be a part of God's redemption story. And your identity as a son or as a daughter is so important in that. My favorite, one of my favorite images in all the scriptures when Jesus is baptized and he comes out of the water and it says the heavens opened and the father spoke and he said, this is my son. I love him. He pleases me. This is my son. I love him. He pleases me. I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to picture the face of God. In your mind's eye, however you see him, picture the face of Jesus. And eye to eye, yours to his, I want you to hear him say, you are my child. I love you. You please me. You give me pleasure. Until you know who you are, where you stand with him, how he feels about you, you'll never be free to fly or to run in the destiny that he has set for you. Life will be a grind. Life will be a struggle as you try to earn his favor. You don't have to earn it. It's free. It's free. What I pray that today you would open some ears. I pray specifically you'll open the ears today of the strivers, those that have been working so hard to prove themselves to you. And I pray you set them free today to enjoy you, to stop working for you and start living with you. Thank you, Lord, that you can do this effortlessly.
In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our teams to come get in place. And we're going to go into a time of ministry. And uh, just encourage you uh, to take advantage of the opportunity to be prayed for today. And uh, it could be that uh, there's something specific to today that you need to respond to. It could be that you, you brought something with you from home. And, and you knew before you left the house, I'm, I need to get prayer. And I uh, just encourage you to come. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for healing. Uh, we'd love to pray for, for spiritual healing, physical healing, relational healing, emotional healing. There are all sorts of ways that God wants to move uh, in you to, to set you free from the things that hold you back. Okay? All right. Won't you stand? I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We love you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we love you. We do. I feel like sometimes, Holy Spirit, you're, you're the Part, you're the person in the Trinity that, that gets ignored. And, and, and we say we love God and we say we love Jesus. And how often do we tell you we love you? And so I, I just want to say I love you. I love the way you love. And I, I love the way you do ministry. I love the way you point to Jesus. I love that. And so I pray, would you move here in this place today? Do what only you can do. Do it the, the way only you can do it. In Jesus' name, amen.